Heavenly Father, I just ask you to bless this time, and Father, help me by your Holy Spirit to make this as simple as you've shown it to me. It's a truth, Father, that can help just change us and help me just to preach other scriptures that give us a perspective of your heart and your mind. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so how did we get here? Uh, or one of my scriptures was already read, so thankfully that saves me time because I've got a lot of scriptures that they're going to put up. I'm not going to be necessarily reading every single scripture. I'm putting stuff up there, taking an excerpt out to prove to you that it's in the scriptures. I normally like to preach with about 12 scriptures so people don't get overloaded. Well, I've got 25 or 26, and so I'm just commenting on some, so I'm not turning to it. Uh, because I, I feel it's crucial that we see truth in the Word of God, and there's no way I could do it. Well, we could do uh, Paul. There's no third-story window for anybody to fall out of. Because <laughs> uh, some of this stuff, there's just a lot of truth that can set us free. So, Kirk mentioned it. Sin, obviously, came in the world. Romans 5, verse 12 says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men, because all sinned. For before the law was given, sin was in the world, but sin is not taken into account when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who was a pattern for the, of the one to come. We're all affected, and death is going to hit us all because of sin. And then uh, Romans 1.18 through 32, which was read. This is a general description of what happens when you suppress the truth. If you don't have a biblical worldview like was shared last week, what type of view do you have? You're suppressing the truth, and so all these other things will begin to take root because of sin. And so, yes, homosexuality, lesbianism are mentioned in there, but so is a lot of other stuff. And if you look in the book of Galatians, uh, chapter 5, it talks about these are the works of the flesh, adultery, fornication, uncleanness. We have groups that hate homosexuals. I mean, but how many hate the fornicators clubs do we have? <laughs> hate the adulterers. No, because a lot of times those people that are doing that have that taking place in their life. It's sin. That's all it is. It's sin. And if you read after Romans 1, 
into Romans 2, he starts saying, hey, if you think you can judge them and do the same things yourself because you have the law, no, you can't do that. And he says, do you think, are you rejecting the fact that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? And then he goes on, verifying some points, goes into chapter 3 and says, there's none righteous. No, not one. So our heart, if you have angst in your heart against homosexuals, do you have the same feeling about adulterers, fornicators, covetous? Because Galatians says, they that have those things will not enter the kingdom of God. Well, that's a terrible thing to have. So what we're trying to say is, yes, it is sin. But it's not unforgivable sin. Abby read the scripture. Some of us have walked in the same things. But the grace of God came in and saved you. Our desire is to show the grace of God in truth so that hearts can be set free. Not to chop people's heads off. In Ephesians 4, he's talking to the Gentiles. He says, you used to have your understanding darkened, alienated from the life of God through the ignorance because of blindness of your heart, and then you were giving yourselves over to lasciviousness to work all uncleanness. Again, the truth in there is they ignored the truth. Blindness of heart brings about all this other wickedness. In 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 9, the man of evil will come by the power of Satan. He'll have great power. He'll do many different false miracles, wonders. He'll use every kind of evil trick to those who are lost. They will die because they refuse to love the truth. If they love the truth, they would be saved. For this reason, God sends them something powerful that leads them away from the truth, so they'll believe a lie. So all of those will be judged guilty who did not believe the truth, but enjoyed doing evil. Again, the reason we have worldview different from the biblical worldview is because they refuse to see it as truth. God's word is truth. And when you refuse to do it, he says, okay, you want to believe a stinking lie? Here, I'll give you a whole bunch of them. You take your pick. And if you don't believe me, sometime read uh, 1 Kings 22 about uh, Ahab and Jehoshaphat going to go to battle against Ramoth Gilead. And all these prophets are saying, go take it. And Kenaniah makes horns of iron and says, thus shall you push them. Jehoshaphat says, there's a prophet of the Lord here besides these guys. See, yeah, one guy, Micaiah. 
but he never says anything good to me. So they get him, and he just says, Go up, the Lord's with you. And the king says, Come on, tell me the truth. He says, I'll tell you the truth. You guys are like sheep without a shepherd. He says, I saw the Lord say, Who will go and deceive Ahab that he goes to Ramoth Gilead and gets killed? Some said this, and a lying spirit says, I'll do it. The Lord said, How do you do it? He says, I go be a lying spirit in the mouth of his prophets. The Lord said, Go ahead and you'll prosper. So all those prophets that were saying, take it, take it, Ahab wanted to believe a lie, and they reinforced it, and he said, yeah, do that. And he died. Because Micaiah was speaking the truth. But when you want to believe a delusion, they'll come your way. The only thing that sets you free is the word of God, the truth. Sin and its power throughout history. You've got Noah and the flood. God looked upon the earth and he saw that the heart of man was just continually evil. And so he brings in the flood. But God saved Noah and his family. He was called a preacher of righteousness. Now out of Noah's family that got saved in the ark, his son Ham... had some descendants. Guess who they were? Anybody want to take a guess? They were the Canaanites. The ones that were so wicked that God said their time has come and my people are going to take this over and I want you to just wipe them out as you go. But wait a minute. They came from Noah, a preacher of righteousness. Removing the vile world by a flood did not stop the power of sin, leaving just one family. You'd think that, okay, well, eight people. Sin in the heart of man is powerful. So that flood was, now God had patience. It was 1,650 six years after the creation that the flood came. So during that time, all that vileness and wickedness that was going on, God's a patient God. I know if I was there, the years would have been shortened. <laughs> but then I don't have his grace and so, again, my mind sometimes had a hard time understanding the power and the fullness of his grace. Because I've got this little pea brain. Sodom and Gomorrah. 451 years after the flood. Now, everybody uses Sodom and Gomorrah saying, see, it was because of homosexuality. Well, Scripture kind of puts a different picture on it in Ezekiel 16. This was the sin of your sister Sodom. Pride, 
a full measure of food, the comforts of wealth and peace were seen in her and her daughters, and she gave no help to the poor or to those in need. They were full of pride and did what was disgusting to me, so I took them away, as you have seen. There's several things that they had going wrong for them, plus homosexuality. Second Peter and Jude use Sodom and Gomorrah as negative examples, going after strange flesh. So now, um, 88 years, now, when God gave the law, that was a pretty powerful thing. Moses going up on the mountain, the people hearing the voice of God. You read in the book of Exodus, chapter 19 and 20, they heard the voice of God. It wasn't just Moses up on the mountain getting the Ten Commandments that heard him. They heard him. And Deuteronomy confirms that. The miraculous walk through the Red Sea. Water coming out of a rock. I mean, all the things that were starting to take place Moses goes up for 40 days and they're like, we don't know where he's at. Make us a golden calf that we can worship. What caused them to think like that? Sin. It's depraved. It leads you to do things that you normally wouldn't do or think you would do. Eighty-eight years after the law was given, you've got, in the book of Judges, chapter 19 through 21, you've got the Levite who's traveling with his concubine, no place to stay, finally gets a place to stay. The people in the town say, bring this guy out so that we can have sex with him. And the owner says, no, no, one, or the priest says, no, no, here, just take my concubine. They used her all night, and in the morning she was dead. He cut her up into pieces and sent them out to the 12 tribes. <laughs> Receiving the law and seeing the power of God did not stop the power of sin. It's potent. So from the time of the Exodus to the destruction of Jerusalem is 905 years. God dealt mercifully with them during this whole time. Telling them over and over, he sent prophets, he warned them of the coming destruction. He was gracious. I mean, you've got kings like Manasseh who was vile. And even in Manasseh's case, he got sent away to Babylon, and then by the grace of God, his heart turned around. God brought him back as king of Judah again. And then he started wiping out the things that he put up. The grace of God is powerful. Look at our history. In 1620, pilgrims came here from Holland where they had been, they fled from England 
to flee persecution. And in Holland, they were free to worship, but economically it was tough. And the corruptive influence that was happening to their children. So they came over here. In spite of a new beginning, 403 years later, where are we? It just goes on and on and on, or seems to. So how powerful is sin? Romans 7 verse 5 says, For when we were in the flesh, the sinful desires aroused by the law were active in the members of our body to bear fruit for death. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Absolutely not. Certainly I would not have known sin except through the law. For indeed, I would not have known what it means to desire something belonging to someone else if the law had not said, do not covet. But sin, seizing the opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of wrong desires. For apart from the law, sin is dead. Romans 7.15 says, For I do not do what I want. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I do what I don't want, I agree the law is good. Now it's no longer me doing it, but sin that lives in me. For I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my flesh. For I want to do the good, but I cannot do it. For I do not do the good I want, but I do the very evil I do not want. Now if I do what I do not want, it's no longer me doing it, but sin that lives in me. Ah, I, got, I can blame somebody. It's not me, it's just sin, God. Okay. That portion of scripture is talking about what it felt like to be under the law. How many people still feel that way? Because I'm going to ask you, how many people in here still sin? <laughs> the answer... One of the big answers I found in my own life just recently is going to be coming up in these points. And so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on what we know is the answer. In Romans, the sixth chapter, it says that we are crucified with Christ. We're dead with him. So that the sinful self could be destroyed, no longer to be the slaves of sin. For when a person dies, he's set free from the power of sin. Another verse in Hebrews 9.14 says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? His blood cleanses us. There's many... We could spend a lot of time talking about the blood and being dead in him. He did another thing that took place through Christ. And this is a thing that as I was putting this study together, because we've been talking about it for a while, and I always, I, I, I like to spend a lot of time looking at scripture and doing what I call bulletproofing it. Meaning, can I take a pot shot at a truth from every direction? Playing devil's advocate, 
Why do I believe it if I can punch holes in it? That means I'm not seeing it clearly. So I got to keep hunting through the word of God to feel confident because it says don't be many teachers because you face a greater condemnation because you influence people. That weighs heavy on me. And so as I was looking at this, it was like, God, I've preached that here not all that long ago. And it was like I didn't see it because it changed me. What is that thing? Well, 1 Corinthians 15, 56 says, The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. How many know we're no longer under the law? And I knew that. But there was a part of this that I didn't understand. Next month will be 49 years since I got saved. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that means the rest of the age goes... (laughs) I know. But it was like, God, I almost feel stupid sharing this revelation because it was like, you just talked about it and you didn't see it. That's fine. It, it's so wonderful to me. I'm going to share it. Maybe some of you guys already have it. I don't know, but it's so new to me. It just, it's freedom. I appreciate Abby reading that. Uh, portion of scripture about freedom because that's what I'm going to be talking about because sin has power it has influence it's changed the world it's changed people's world view but we don't have to walk in it we don't have to yield to its demands there's truths that help set us free so in Romans 7, 4, it says, So my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law uh, through the body of Christ so that you could be joined to another, to the one who raised him from the dead, to bear fruit to God. In uh, Colossians two thirteen, When you were spiritually dead because of your sins and because you were not free from the power of your sinful self, God made you alive with Christ, and he forgave you all your sins. He canceled the debt, which listed all the rules we failed to follow. He took away that record with its rules and nailed it to the cross. I believe that to be the commandments, the law. Because then the next part says he stripped the spiritual uh, rulers and powers of their authority because... The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. Paul said, I want to do what's right, but I don't do it because I see this battle goes on inside of me. Well, I don't want to covet. I'm going to try harder not to covet because God says, don't covet. You're just going to add fuel to the fire and find yourself just falling on your face time after time. I'm telling you, there's a freedom 
I'm hoping many of you have not ex uh, experienced it, that you can see it the way I did, because it was like, oh my goodness. Because all my Christian life, I've read Paul, and I've seen him, and the way he walked, the way he conducted himself, and I see scripture, it says, you'll have your conscience purged. And I always felt like, I know I'm saved, I know he's cleansed me, but there's just this little feeling inside that, man, I'm still falling short. I just, I don't know what it is. And he showed me. And he changed me. In Hebrews 7, it says, the former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless. The first covenant, if it hadn't been faultless, there's no place, and we should have been no place to have been sought for a second one. It says in 2 Corinthians, the third chapter, it calls the Old Testament the covenant of death, the ministry of death. That's a nice name to have. What are you? I'm a minister of death. And if you don't believe me, it, it then says carved in letters on stone. Let's talk about the Ten Commandments. And it's called the Ministry of Condemnation. And then it says if that was brought to an end, had glory, much more which is permanent, which is talking about the ministry of the Spirit in our lives. So in Romans 7, they, I'm going to have to hustle here. Sin found a way to use that command and caused me to want all kinds I shouldn't want. But without the law, sin has no power. This is where the truth came in. So I'm going to share it now in case I lost. I, I'm going along just thinking, man, I, I just, you, you're fighting with struggles. And that truth just finally came home. Without the law, sin has no power. And then the next verse, Romans 4.15, For the law brings wrath because where there is no law, there is no transgression either. It's like, wait, wait, wait. There's no law. There's no transgression. What am I, in the twilight zone? It's like, wait a minute. He did away with the law. If there's no law, there's nothing to call me guilty. And my old man was crucified. I can walk in peace. That nagging, oh, I just, I just don't know how to 
just make myself just feel good enough. You can't do it by just, okay, I'm going to read four hours a day. I'm going to. It's the realization of what he has done for us. If you don't believe that verse, Romans 5, 13, 14, we read it earlier. Before the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not taken into account when there is no law. Nevertheless, those people died because of sin in their lives. But the truth is, where no law is, there's no transgression. They did not violate the same thing that Adam did. Well, I've got ten commandments that have been taken out of the way. I'm on the Autobahn, baby. I can drive at any speed I want. Because there's no limit. You say, oh, Rayo, that's, that can't be true. I'm going to guarantee you. This is true. And if you can't see it, you need to take a look at these scriptures. You need to take a look at the word of God to allow it to become a part of you. And this has also caused me to take a look and say, do I really understand being crucified with Christ? Or have I just been walking in the initial understanding and going along? Am I really going back to take a look? I'm going back to take a look and ask the Holy Spirit to just enlighten my heart, to see these things clearer, because we're coming to a day when sin is abounding in the world, and we need to stand as pillars of truth. And this will allow you to walk in freedom. Kirk was talking about, you know, we're going out, people going out reaching neighborhood, reaching the world. Well, if you've still got a few chains on you, Hey, you want to be like me? <laughs> no. <laughs> but as we're understanding who and what we are in Christ, it'll be a savor of life unto life unto those who hear the truth. Paul himself said, I through the law died to the law so that I might live unto God. Listen, we, we have died to the law. And uh, Romans 7, 8, after he was talking about sin using the law as a fulcrum, apart from the law, sin is dead. And in Romans 6.14, where he's talking about uh, overcoming sin, he says, sin shall not be your master, not under the law, but under grace. I'm not in a twilight zone. I'm in grace. That grace is in Christ. And you say, well, if you don't have any laws to break, well, let's just do what we want. No, 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 no. 
Shall we sin because we're not under law but under grace? By no means. You are called to freedom. Don't use it as an opportunity to the flesh. I'm just about done. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of flesh. For the desires of flesh are against the Spirit, desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to. You can't walk in the flesh and accomplish the things of the Spirit. You can't walk in the Spirit and be doing the things of the flesh. They're opposed to each other. And then verse 18 is just kind of stuck in there. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. He he was making that point. You're not under the law. The law will not be in your life to give sin the strength to overcome the things that you're doing in your choices. In Romans 3, the righteousness of God was revealed uh, independently apart from the law and attested by the law and the prophets. They spoke of this grace, uh, the faith, that the righteousness that we would have through faith. And for those who are real sticklers on things, I threw in this scripture, Romans 3, 31, Do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. We uphold it. See, you need to have the moral law. No, he's saying that this faith just shows that the law did what it was supposed to do. It was to lead you to Christ and then it was cut off. That's it. Because now you're in grace and in grace Paul said to those not having the law, I become like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but under Christ's law. Ten Commandments, what were they really trying to teach us? To, to love God and love your neighbor. That's a, but sin kept that love from being able to be worked out. And all the other crud came up with it. What does God tell us to do? To love. So he takes away the strength of sin. He gives us his Holy Spirit. He pours out his love into our hearts and says, now I'm going to teach you how to walk in this grace. You can still sin. I'm not saying you're going to walk sinless. Because when you're not walking in his way, he can deal with you. He chastens us as children. Hebrews says that. But this grace in Titus 2.11 says, The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. To live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in heaven. 
in this present age. He's teaching us. But now I can understand that he's teaching me without feeling that condemnation of being under the law. I mean, I knew I wasn't under the law, but man, I didn't realize that I was on the Audubon. The Audubon of grace. Oh, it feels wonderful. And if you don't have that, you can. Because God's word will set you free. And the entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. It is what Christ has given us. The whole law is fulfilled in loving your neighbor as yourself. Love God, and you can be free to do that by understanding that sin has been wiped away by Christ. His blood cleanses us. We die with him to sin, but also he sets us free from the law that you can be on that autobahn. There are other truths in the scripture that help us to walk in freedom. But as I was doing this study, this one stood out to me because we as Christians need to be able to express the freedom of Christ to others clearly. And we need to have it. Because sin in the lives of others is powerful. For the Christian... It's a defeated thing as we continue to see his truths manifest and lived out in our lives because of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Stand with me, please. You got something you want to say? Well, you know, you heard this morning a very deep truth. And uh, spend time in the Word with it because it's, it's something that will set you free if you really grapple with it. There's a place in the Scripture that says, if we walk in the Spirit, we fulfill the righteous requirements of the law. Right. And it is, when we think about this in, in connection to what we're talking about, the whole, like the movement with LGBTQ and, and that kind of push in our world today, we've seen through the scriptures Rayo shared today, how powerful sin is. But look how powerful the grace of God is. Amen. Where sin abounds, the grace of God abounds more. Right. And that's what we are. We receive the grace of God, and we come to bring that same grace to others. That's the only way they can be set free. That's the answer for our world today. It's not really handled politically or any other means not handled by us condemning or anything else. It's handled by us bringing the truth of who Jesus is. He came to set us free. So it's great, great foundational teaching. Thanks, Rayo. All right. I'd like to just close with prayer and then we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, Lord, I, I just pray that there's hearts here that needed to hear this, that 
your word could just take root in their hearts or that there would be a desire for them to seek it out in a greater fashion. Lord, to know the different things that you've done and accomplished for us so that we can become like you. That we can really be changed in our lives, in our thinking, in everything we do, that we would become like you because you dwell within us, that we would surrender continually areas of our life to your instruction, to your love, to your kindness, and to your correction, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.